it's Mac. Welcome back. Episode 22 of Icebreaker. As always, AJ, how are you? Uh, not too bad, man. We record this podcast on Sundays and we both have favorite football teams. Mine's not very good. Neither uh, is mine. <laughs> they really tank today, so I'm in a mood, but I think um, I'm doing well. Thank you. No, that's good to hear. And I'm not in a bad mood yet because the game hasn't started. That's right. Uh, yeah. A little bit later this evening, but before we get started, episode 22 is presented by Heebie Jeebies, Winnipeg's most terrifying haunted attraction. Over a thousand amazing actors and sorry, over a hundred amazing actors in four mazes. Check out the scare zone photo ops, zombie carnival games, food trucks, fireworks, free hot chocolate and more tickets are online only at heebie-jeebies.ca. When and you're I there, will... it feels like there's a thousand monsters coming at I you. did go. I went last week and it actually is super terrifying, but like funny at the same time. Uh, where I don't think we're going until I don't know what the date is anymore. We're in, it's a pandemic, but we're going on the 22nd. Did you go last year to Heebie Jeebies? Yeah, I did go last year. It's so much bigger this year, isn't it? It's bigger, but it's like it's different because everyone's following social distancing. Yeah. And like it's still scary. They've done a great job. It's still scary. Like this one guy came out of nowhere and I almost fell over. Like I stumbled backwards. I almost fell over. And then like the initial scare, like it's scary. And then you just laugh at yourself. Right. Cause it's just like, it's so funny. And their new one, um, bunker Z is yeah. their new one. Very cool. Very cool. This is good. It's on. It's, it's Halloween, man. That's what we do. That's one yeah. of the scariest things you can do in the whole province. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. Well, you kind of brought it up earlier, but speaking of, of your bangles, 21 point lead, huh? 21 points. They were up on the Colts. Um, and you know what, man, today was a fun day to watch football. If you've been a football fan for a long time, because guys like Phillip Rivers with the Colts and even just Tom Brady with the Bucks, these yeah. old guys really look good behind, behind center this Sunday. I was watching the Bucks game and Brady was finding Gronkowski and it literally looked like the Patriots of six, seven years ago. I can't remember what they said when uh, Gronk scored his touchdown. They said it's his first touchdown in 649 yes. days. <laughs> yeah, Something crazy, anyways. It's been almost two years since Gronk's got a touchdown. Um, yeah, Brady looked really good today. Uh, the old quarterbacks were getting it done. How about – and after we were – we were kind of – you know, we were bashing Tennessee last week with their, you know, are they going to play, are they not? And then <laughs> – now two games later, still undefeated. Uh, Michael Strahan said on the post-game show, because uh, he knew that Tennessee was going to come out, uh, Derrick Henry was going to come out. He said, if you're sitting at home because they're not letting you play and you have to watch other people play football, yeah, you just want to play football. Yeah. And then, man, Tennessee looks really fine and dandy now, don't they? Are they, are they the real deal? What do you think about last year? Last year, they very well could have gone to the Super Bowl. They could have. So it, once you're putting two of those together, nobody wants to tackle Derrick Henry. Nobody can tackle Derrick Henry. Even if they, they, people run away from him. Nobody, he's a big monster of a man. He's Ryan a, Tannehill is a veteran quarterback. Just because he didn't do well in, uh, in Miami doesn't mean he wasn't a good quarterback. He was a number one pick, was he not? Uh, I'm not going to. I won't confirm that. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to confirm that. pick for Miami, though. <laughs> and so... Uh, I, I would say, yeah, Tennessee is going to be really scary to deal with and undefeated for now. And I'm going to bring this up before I get called out on it. Mm. I'm 0 for 2 on my Manitoba building trade hot takes. I picked yeah. 
I picked yeah, the Houston I, I Astros. I wasn't going to bring it up. I was kind of waiting for you to do it. I picked the Houston Astros and to win the World Series, and they were down 3 nothing, And they put up a fight. They forced a game seven. And I was super thrilled about it. I just, like, last night I was watching. I was, like, ready. And I was like, oh, no, they were down 3 nothing before I knew it. And then the one before that, I said the Miami Heat would win the NBA title if they won game three. And yeah. it, it didn't pan out. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. You're lucky you've run out of sports playoffs right now to uh, take hot takes on. I know. Yeah, it's it was getting bad. So don't don't follow my picks if you're if you were doing that. Don't follow. <laughs> this this dates back to when we started doing this because we've done drafts where we thought we could pick the NHL finals. Yeah, we are we are over. I think on all of our picks here. Yeah, there's except nothing. for my snow call last week. That was a good uh, one. That is that was a great one. You you did get that right. Uh, AJ said it was going to snow the week of the nineteenth. Well, sure enough. Within seven days of the 19th, yeah. within three before and three after, it did snow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I told you last week, we put it up on Twitter, Trust the Farmer's Almanac. I got a hot take this week if, okay. if you want to take a week off. You have the Manitoba Building Trades hot take. The Manitoba Building Trades hot take this week. Uh, here in Winnipeg, we're not going to see snow that sticks like sticks for us. We're going to have to shovel it. We're not going to see that until almost December. Wow. There you have it. We're going to get through Halloween. It's going to be nice. Nobody's going to be trick-or-treating, but it's going to be beautiful. And I think we're going to have a pretty nice November coming up. It's a weather-based hot take for Manitoba building trade. Wow. I like that. Stay on the weather. Hey, you're feeling hot with the weather. It's the one thing we, that one of us has gotten right on the show. We'll just keep rolling with it until it does us wrong. And with this hot take, we could have until November before we know if we're right or we're wrong. That's another. <laughs> I like that. Just leave it. it. Leave it in the open. <laughs> Don't forget about it. No. Yeah. And isn't it so cliche that, like, we in Winnipeg and Manitoba, we just love talking about the weather. I think for a few months out of the year, especially, that's all there is. Yeah. That's all we got. It is. That's what we hang on to. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Uh, we were talking before, before the show, about what we should, what we should pick today. And you mentioned we should pick our like top three favorite sports jerseys of all time. Yeah, if you're just new to the show, we do a little draft at the end where we get our top three picks. We've done a whole bunch of different topics, but for some reason, we've never picked our favorite jerseys. This is this could go weeks. We could keep picking favorite jerseys. There's so many to choose from. It could. It really could. Yeah. And as the rules go with this, you always get to per- pick first. And sometimes, even though there's three picks, you end up with six. It's so, funny because I've got seven jerseys written down here. We'll <laughs> see how many I can sneak in today. All right? Uh, I have my first pick here. And honestly, I was going to steal a pick that I think for sure you're going to take. I'll tell you if you do take it. Uh, my first pick instead is going back to the 90s. I'm thinking Jordan era red Bulls jersey is maybe my favorite jersey that anyone. Wow, said. just simple, clean. Maybe wow. it's because it even brings back nostalgia, but you're exactly right. It was clean. They had a beautiful Bulls on the front of it. Let's call it what it is, nice and simple. Ride with it. I'm going to go with my first pick. I'm, I'm debating between two in my head right now, but I'm going to go with the uh, the dark Winter classic Winnipeg Jets uniforms. 
from just recently. Recently, the dark yeah. blue. I like those. Yeah. God, I don't want to go a sidetrack here because we're in the middle of the draft. But my story about that is I wanted to get the dark blue Jets jersey, and I went out with it. My my fiance got me a gift card to buy uh, for Christmas, and I wanted a Line A jersey, and they didn't have it. And now with the Line A fiasco that's going on. I should have just gone with the Shifley. They had the Shifley, Mac. <laughs> I didn't get it. Uh, back to the draft. I think my number two pick, actually, I, it's funny. I had written down here, baby blue, Blue Jays jerseys. Oh, yeah. But then I crossed out Blue Jays. My number two pick is baby blue Montreal Expos jerseys. Ooh, old yeah. school. Expos. Love that. I'm going old school as well. Uh Late 80s, early 90s, San Francisco 49ers. That's the one I was going to take with my first pick. Yes, love them. How did I know you were going to pick a Niners jersey? Yeah, I just favorite. love those ones. Uh, number three for me, the number three favorite jersey is a little obscure. Unless mm. you come to some Winnipeg Ice games. Uh, the Calgary Hitmen have one Ooh. of my top three favorite jerseys. The Pinks it reminds me of wrestling growing up. Watching the Hitman, uh, Calgary Hitman. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. Shout out, yeah, that's a that's a solid jersey. They wore some really cool jerseys here to Winnipeg last year too. Okay, I think my final pick. I'm struggling with this one. I'm struggling. I'm torn. There's so many cool uniforms out there, but I'm gonna go with the the Anaheim Mighty Ducks jerseys. The Mighty <laughs> Ducks. <laughs> Those were great. I love that those were worn in the National Hockey League. Right? Because when they signed the team, the movies were out, and they signed the, okay, we're going to call them the Mighty Ducks. And you're like, they're not going to use the jerseys, though. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, the ones in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll just wear them in the National Hockey League. Okay. I love that. That's a good I love pick. that. And I know you want it. I know you want it, so I'm going to give you some honorable mentions here. Go ahead. Honorable mentions that I had written down, uh, 70s era Washington Capitals. Ooh. The red ones with the stars up the top. 1990s Blue Bombers. Okay. Had some really good ones. And they kind of brought them back recently yeah. with the really bright blue. Uh, Vancouver Grizzlies, Hartford Whalers. Okay. You want to, I have one honorable mention that I yeah. want to get in. The Miami Heat Vice jerseys with the pink and the blue. I love those. <laughs> Those are funny. I don't think anybody still thinks about those ones. Did Shaq get to wear them? Yeah, Shaq was around when they were wearing them. Well, and they wore them a few times this season, too. Did they? Yeah, they, like, changed their floor and everything for the games they wear them. It's awesome. <laughs> That's the best pick out of any draft because you got a jersey and a home court all in one I got pick. a floor. Yeah, I got a floor and a pick. <laughs> yeah, so make sure to check us out on social media at Icebreaker Show. With two W's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Appreciate the listens wherever you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, it's always appreciated. And we got a real interesting guest today on the show. A, a great story. Tons of gold medals uh, with the Canadian women's national team, including four Olympic golds, five world championships, and and a few more. So without further ado, we're well, pleased to be joined by one of the most important figures in Canadian women's hockey history uh mel davidson thanks for taking the time thanks for having me mac it's great to be here yeah no appreciate it uh how's has the uh i guess the off season been 
Well, the off season's brought a lot of reflection for me in that I, I left Hockey Canada at the end of June and joined On the Podium, uh, which is a uh, an Olympic sport organization. So uh, you leave me alone for a little bit and reflect reflecting on my life and what I want to do, and then I change jobs. <laughs> 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 well, you mentioned it. You're with Hockey Canada for a long time, uh, including uh, time spent. You won four Olympic gold medals, uh, five world championships, and then another 10 at the Four Nations Cup. Um, obviously, it didn't just happen. So uh, can you take us back to the beginning and how it all got started? Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty fortunate in the opportunities I've been, I was given through uh, Hockey Alberta first. Uh, in our province and then uh, with Hockey Canada. But, uh, you know, I, I think my first appointment with, with Hockey Canada was in 1993 when we threw together or they threw together a, a women's team. Uh, you had to have one from every province, uh, one, one athlete from every province. And then uh, Ontario obviously is, is quite loaded in, in talent. So we got to pick a few extras and we went to San Antonio, Texas for a, a tournament, if you can believe against the U.S. Uh, Olympic or uh, U.S. team at the time. So that was sort of started it, but uh, my first world championships was in 1994. And I mean, things just, just went on from there. It was a, a, a lot of great opportunities, uh, a lot of fun. I mean, the, the downside of it at, at the time, it was really the only place for a, a female to coach. There weren't a lot of U sport teams. There wasn't a lot of um, teams to coach, if you will. So if I had, you know, one thing to look back on, I wish I was uh, significantly younger now and could take advantage of all the opportunities for for women in in coaching and in sport. There's there's so many more than than what I had, uh, but I'm real real appreciative of the opportunities that Hockey Alberta and Hockey Canada gave me to to be able to experience some of the most incredible tournaments and, and work with some of the, you know, the best people in the game on, on uh, in terms of the athletes and the staff. Yeah. Um, if I look back and I think back, I mean, I watched the Olympics growing up and I, I 100% remember seeing you on TV and, and coaching. Is there an Olympic games that kind of stands out for you uh, in your mind? Wow. I mean, they're all so different. My first one, 2002, as an assistant coach right after 9-1-1 um, and the, the environment and the way the world was at that time uh, was such a, such a different ride and just trying to find competition to play against. And that's when we, we formed our, our partnership with the Alberta Major Midget League and started to uh, uh, play midget AAA teams in Alberta to help with our, our uh, competition uh, piece. And I mean, that games, I was so naive. I remember thinking though, the one thing with that games and it, it goes to, I think all the experience and all the things you go to as a, a young athlete, as a coach, et cetera, was that when I got to the village, I was like, man, it's just like the Canada winter games, you know? So it really, you know, started to connect the dots for me. And lots of times we want to, we want to run before we can walk, but the importance of, you know, on my end, the Alberta summer and winter games where you were sleeping in classrooms, et cetera, and the multi-sport dimensions around that through to the Canada winter games and then into the, the Salt Lake Olympics. Uh, the Torino Olympics was my first as a head coach and, and that was a real special team. They were, 
they were unbelievably connected and uh, uh, just on point. We had a, I believe, a good mix of, of of leadership, of veterans, of people in the middle of their careers, and of of young blood, if you would. Uh, and that, you know, the only only thing you look back on that, people kind of stamped that one that the U.S. lost to Sweden in the in the semifinals, and we didn't play them in the gold medal, but. Man, we were a good team then, so it would have been fun to have seen ourselves against the U.S., but at the same time, you make your own faith, and, and we got to the, the final game, and unfortunately, they didn't, and, you know, Sweden was a formidable op opponent, and, uh, you know, we couldn't just show up and walk away with the medal there. We had to play. 2010, obviously, would be special, uh, being in your home country, lots of stress and pressure. Um, you know, I remember thinking that going into it, well, as long as we don't screw it up in terms of getting in the way of the athletes, we'll be fine. Um, and then just, you know, still remember to this day, the crowd and, and uh, how exciting that was uh, through there. And, you know, at the end winning, at the end of any of them, winning is just a relief. Like it's like, oh, didn't screw it up, you know? So it's just a relief, all the hard work. Uh, 2014 was, was really different for me. Um, I was a GM then. And I'd, I'd battled some illnesses, an illness during the whole season. So I was sick and in and out of the environment. Uh, you know, we made a coaching change. Uh, I had to leave the Olympics uh, the day before the gold medal game, actually, and come back to Canada and have surgery. And um, I remember landing and uh, the concierge meeting me in Calgary and being like, we just tied it up. We just tied it up. And she was like, trying to circumvent me through customs. And I remember saying, well, uh, you know, is it going into overtime? And she was like, yeah. I was like, well, we get a flood so I, I can go through customs here. We don't have to break any rules. And then going, my sister picked me up and we went right to Montana's, the, the little pub there in uh, the Calgary airport. And just, it was right full. Everybody was watching. And, you know, I found it, we found a table in the back corner and she was like, disgusted with me is just tell them who you are like get up to the front like gotta watch this game and and then uh you know I realized you know we won uh we just sat down and we scored and it was so exciting and then you know just driving to the to meet with the doctor as to what was going to happen for myself and and Bob Nicholson and Kevin Deneen and Scott Smith all called me you know and that was special as well so that one was was really a different year for sure um, and the 2018 Olympics, you know, even though we didn't win, it just goes to show you how close things were, right? To to go for your fifth and 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 not win it in in a shootout, um, you know, was heartbreaking. And I still just speaking about it, almost get sick to my stomach. So uh, it's still right there. But yeah, some some great opportunities that I, that I've been able to have. But even more than that, the people I've met along the way have been terrific. And I know just from knowing you uh, a little bit over the past year here, you're, you're pretty quick to deflect all the, uh, the accolades, but you mentioned earlier that there wasn't an opportunity when you started for women to be coaching and I would, uh, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I didn't say, I think you had a pretty big part in uh, all the opportunity now for the, for the ladies to start coaching and, and being involved in hockey. Um, one thing I did want to ask was the games with the Americans, obviously it's a, it's a step up. And I know that the women that play for Canada and for, for the American side, they, uh, they get up for those games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
there's been some generational changes with those games for sure. I mean, in the early years, it was just out and out hatred. Um, you know, a lot of players weren't playing South in the NCAA and there wasn't a lot of cross-border knowledge of each other. So it just was like, that's the only way I can describe it. Um, and you almost had to curtail it at times with the players, like, hey, <laughs> like it's just, it's just a game here. You know, over time, the, um, you know, with the NCAA and players playing on both sides of the border with the pro leagues that have happened and that it's, it's come to a, you know, a much more healthy rivalry, I would say. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of mutual respect. And, uh, you know, as we know now with the women and, and their fight for a pro game, the collaboration um, between all the countries, but especially Canada and the U.S. to, to um, you know, leave the game, leave the place better than you found it. So, um, but those games are lots of fun. Um, you know, so much pride on the line, Canada, U.S., and, and um, you know, everybody, it, you know, was a continuous, I guess, what you could equate probably on the men's side to playing for their Stanley Cup or Memorial Cup or whatever in terms of the intensity and the preparation that goes into to playing those games. But they're pretty special to be a part of, that's for sure. And just from the outside looking in, from my perspective, over the last, call it 10 years, um, other countries have started to step up. It's not so much just Canada and the U.S. anymore. As obviously, they're still the dominant teams, but other other countries have started to really uh, take a rise. You think that's pretty good for the sport? Oh, for sure. I mean, we've always wanted that, and it's sort of uh, I've always said to be careful what you wish for because when you're at the top and you're trying to to move the game that forward, you're the one that's going to get knocked off the top. Uh, eventually right so you know a lot of cre that credit in addition to the work USA Hockey and Hockey Canada have done has to go to the the IHF and Rennie Fassell and the, the foresight that that the IHF had in 2010 you know the IOC challenged the women's game um, and said that it wasn't competitive enough it's not it might not be shouldn't be in the Olympics all of those things and you know the big countries stepped up Finland Sweden and in conjunction with the IHF, you know, we've done a lot of work around um, sharing of best practices. Um, we have camps every year, whether it's a goalie, goalie camp or whether it's a player camp. Uh, and within those camps, we're constantly doing player, our coach development, equipment manager, therapist, like everything we can to take our game to fast forward it. And it's frustrating, you know, if you look at the history of the men's game, they've had a hundred plus years to, to grow and develop their game. And, you know, we just came on the world stage in 1990, but, you know, so 30 years, uh, really, if my math is right. Um, and yeah, we're expected to be at the level the men are at after a hundred years. So, uh, you know, sometimes the double standards that are held for women are frustrating for sure. But um, yeah, I'm, you know, Finland has, has done a phenomenal job. Russia, um, uh, Switzerland, you know, everybody's coming along nicely. And I think, you know, we're slowly, Russia as well, slowly doing some good things. There's still, you know, a big gap probably between the top uh, three, four teams and below. But the one real good thing is, you know, the countries ranked maybe four and below can all beat each other on a given day. So that itself makes the game better and then starts to push towards the top level. Um, you know, if you look at our, 
our world championship, we've shifted to a 10 team world championship and, and those teams are constantly turning around. The winner of the bronze medal has been different for a number of years here. Um, so lots of good things. Uh, we still got room to grow, but we need people to be patient as well. I mean, we've accomplished a lot in 30 years and, uh, you know, we're, st- we're going to accomplish a lot in the next 10 as well. Couldn't agree more. And just to switch gears here a little bit, um, just to talk about what you're doing now with uh, Own the Podium. Yeah, a, a phenomenal opportunity for me. I mean, I, I've always been a multi-sport uh, person and a lot of people in hockey don't know that about me because they only know me through hockey. And I started out as a, you know, a young coach and a volunteer in our small town in Oyen you played the sport you coached it in the end so that's volleyball hockey basketball curling you name it you know I've done it kind of thing both as an athlete and a coach then went in as a recreation director after I finished my undergrad at University of Alberta Um, you know then at, at one point decided I wanted to coach and that's how I got the hockey you know the hockey pathway um, but this opportunity to own the podium is phenomenal and I can't thank, you know, Ann Merklinger and, and Mark Haddo at own the podium enough. And, um, so I'm a high, my title is a high performance advisor for summer sports. And I work with, um, so I, I work with, I have seven portfolios, if you will, men's and women's basketball, uh, men's and women's rugby sevens, wheelchair basketball, men's and women's and wheelchair rugby. So you know, our, our job is just what it says, own the podium. It's about winning medals at the Olympic Games and team sports in the summer, on the summer side of leg behind what we've done on the winter side. Uh, so this is just a real great opportunity to partner up with those seven sports and collaborate with their high performance directors and, and help um, continue to build a, an excellence uh, base for those sports. And and, you know, hopefully when I'm done, we can say that all seven of those sports are, are meddling in the Olympic Games, and, and that would be a phenomenal legacy. I have no doubt that uh, you're putting them on the right uh, path here. And uh, I know that you serve as an advisor for the Winnipeg Ice, and that came to be you got a long relationship or a long history with, with Matt Cockle, the president and general manager of the Ice. Just uh, how did that start? Well, yeah, Matt and I go back probably to the mid, right around the Vancouver years when he uh, came on board with the women's program as a goaltender coach, and he was a, a goalie coach with the Brandon Wheat Kings at the time. And, um, you know, over time, our relationships just built, and Matt was our goalie coach in 2014 at those Olympic Games. And um, when I went down as being sick, a lot of my job with the team was pre-scout, so Matt had to quickly get brought up to speed on how to pre-scout teams and took over a huge part of my role at those games. So, you know, our, our, our professional and personal uh, friendship has, has just uh, flourished over the years. And, you know, when Matt um, called me up and indicated what he was involved in and, and what he was doing moving forward, I mean, it was pretty exciting. And then when he, he asked me whether I'd, I'd like to, to join in and, and help out wherever, you know, it'd be great. I mean, that it's always been something I, I coached uh, junior A in Calgary with uh, the Calgary Canucks and Don Phelps for quite a few years. Love that. Coached a lot of men's hockey, actually, triple A and junior B. Uh, so it was a great opportunity to get back in the men's game and at a level that I, I hadn't been involved in before and really enjoying, um, you know, that our, 
uh, well, the staff, you and Jake and, and Matt for sure. And then, you know, Jeep and Josh and, and Clemmer last year was terrific. I know COVID's kind of thrown a monkey wrench in a few things, but, you know, the three of us or four of us did a lot of uh, growth, I guess, professional development growth through the, the COVID phase in April and, and uh, in May and June. And then uh, Jeep and I have carried that on throughout and you know now we're working on a, a bit of a virtual education hub for the for the players and to try and connect them and and keep them engaged and growing uh through to when they come back to Winnipeg and for those uh of you listening that don't know who Jeep is it's James Patrick the head coach of the Winnipeg Ice but uh Mel I feel like I could sit here and talk to you forever you have such an interesting story but uh I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to join the show I really appreciate it Mac have a great day such a pleasure to be able to sit down and chat with Mel. Great career with Hockey Canada she had, so that was that was really, really cool. Um, that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Icebreaker. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on social media at Icebreaker Show, and we'll talk to you next week.